I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Epiphany of Theodosius Pennington. This is going to be part two now. A reminder, my name is Howell. I've just spent 10 years as a radio presenter. And before I did that, I was a theatre director um, and uh, met a man called Russell Gomer, who joins us down Skype from his home in... Hey, hello there, people. ...the valleys. There he is. So in episode one, which you should listen to first, we found out that there was a bunch of aliens called the Blix who were searching for one human. The reason we have never heard from aliens is that we are useless to the rest of the universe. The humans need an upgrade. And so, many thousands of years ago, the Blix came to earth and they secretly planted a gene called the messiah gene in one set of humans yeah so then they, they promptly left and waited for all these millennia uh waiting for the messiah gene to mature like a fine wine uh, and now is the time that it's right for them to come back in, according to their calculations in search of the one human Who's uh, has this gene has been incorporated into his DNA, of course, and it's at its full strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, their leader is called the Great Ubiquitous Progenitor, played by me, and in the first one, and I speak like this: "Hello, I'm here. Hello there. Hello." Terrible casting. Terrible. Oh, no, casting. It's beautiful, beautiful casting. It's a perfect uh, voice for it. Awful. The problem is that he has gone missing. Their leader, the Great Ubiquitous Progenitor, has gone missing. Uh, what That's do we right. know? What do we know about him? He went in disguise to Sweden for a month's break prior to the work starting. Yeah. We just know that there's there's hundreds of over the years. There's been hundreds of ubiquitous progenitors, yeah. grand ubiquitous progenitors. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's the 175th. Yeah, something like 174th. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, and now it's the, yeah. So the 174th uh, uh, sort of sort of gene uh, originally, almost yeah. thousands of years ago. I know he's the 175th. Yeah. They live a long time, of course. And he's gone, um, he, he likes uh, the scenery on Earth. So he's, he went two weeks in front of the uh, the secret squadrons, as he calls them, yeah. to Earth for a break, two-week break in Sweden. That's right. So now, and now, and now they can't find him, so he's gone missing. So as, as a result, a bunch of the Blix aliens are flying around looking for someone, that is the, the human with the Messiah gene, checking people off their lists and generally not knowing what they're doing. And one man, Theodosius Pennington, has already been approached by them as he stood on top of a church naked and not knowing why. They came down, asked him his name, he said Theo, and they flew off. And that's where Theodosius is up to, still standing on the roof. That's right. So we've got a lost alien leader, uh, very confused, Theodosius atop a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the main crux of the story is actually being told as a bedtime story by a father who works for some kind of think tank. <laughs> not uh, important, not important. Okay. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a father to his son Philip. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he's an academic, and he's reading something called "The Truths Denied Us" by Brian Hovis. 
totally inappropriate for his six-year-old son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his great father. And as he tells us the story, so we enter the world of Brian, uh, piggybacked on, on Simon Mary's story, his son. Uh, and uh, um, so Brian is now aware of what the aliens are doing yeah. and, uh, and his, his adventures are now to try and track them down the alien leader before the blicks mess up the whole thing and goodness knows what might happen. Yeah. Some kind of really, really terrible, terrible thing for the whole universe will exactly. happen if so, aliens get, get it wrong. So that's where we are. You're about to join Brian Hovis, the adventurer, who has been released from jail after accidentally being arrested. The only other person we've not mentioned um, is, just as a refresher, is the man named way, way, way back in the introduction of the first part, and that's the man we know nothing about, Jürgen Ferbelson. He's a man who gets himself into DIY mishaps, and he doesn't know who he is or how he got to live in suburban Britain, where he just does uh, constant DIY and uh, doing up his house. So that's where we're up to. Let's rejoin Brian now. It was a full, activity-packed and smelly fortnight later that I stepped out from the jail, past the stern visage of the Chief of Police and Sanitation, into the morning sunshine. To convince the authorities that I was innocent of soliciting and sexual perversion had taken all my powers of persuasion, my Italian leather shoes and my gold wristwatch. Standing barefoot in the street, with no idea of how I was to get home, all the time, I pondered my next move. Oi, Philip! Wake up! Do you think I'm reading this my own benefit? Sorry, mister. Right. Here we go. Then it came to me. Any trace of this great 374th ubiquitous progenitor person would have to be sought in Sweden. It was an impossibly long shot, though. The trail was at least ten years old, and I had better and safer things to do than ponce about after some disguised alien mentioned in a hollow message in a disused toilet. But, bugger it, I thought. Let's go to Sweden. Schmergen! Several months later and after endless nights spent poring over Scandinavian folk tales and newspaper reports of UFO sightings from the last decade, I could no longer claim to possess perfect 2020 vision. However, the next day found me squatting with my new pair of bifocals and a wire brush under the watchful concern of the curator at the altar of the church of St. Theodoric the Terrible. A few moments of archaeological elbow grease had revealed a clue beyond my wildest hope. For there, etched into the stone, were the words... The 374th ubiquitous progenitor was here! My expert gaze also pinpointed a very large arrow, leading down the flagstone at my feet. With well-schooled hands I raised the stone and recovered an ancient scroll from within. It seemed to be some kind of family tree dating back thousands of years. The curator's look of utter wide-mouthed astonishment was only marred by his ochre pullover or jersey. Hey, I have to point out to you that I remember the graffiti guy. I had to be in earth fishing for fish-type things for the annual fish festival. Every part of the fish is used, and different kinds of fish also. I shouted, Hey, graffiti guy! You can have no right to be writing graffiti here, I think. 
I dropped the fish and pulled out my Rolf's cracker, a fish flashing knife, and ran at him, growling like a bear in a berserker rage. <laughs> I did not mean to scare him, but a great fear came upon him, and he jumping past me and running. But he seemed to slip on the fishy and smacked his head out cold boomf. He couldn't remember anything. The police came. He is spending a night in his cells, and then he couldn't remember anything. The police came. So they take him to my cousin, Dr. Wien Bladak Smurtison, in the hospital of St. Prunella in the next town. A short three-and-a-half-hour taxi ride later, and I was in the slightly fish-smelling consulting room of Dr. Wien Bladak Smurtson. Did you find anything odd when you examined him? I asked with bated breath. The doctor's eyes widened. What I saw is unbelievable. In fact, I couldn't believe it, he gasped. The scan showed two brains. The man had two brains. I am being so shocked, I nearly dropped the fish out of my beard. I knocked back my lagers quickly and was just about to wonder what I'm next doing when a couple of black sooty guys with the ties and the sunglasses walked in took away the x-rays, and said they would kill me if ever I tell anyone these stories. So I swore that I would never tell anyone these stories. I was about to reply, but you've just told me the whole story, Doctor, but only got as far as b- and my riposte was suddenly ended by a 7.62-millimeter uranium-depleted bullet puncturing the window and his forehead, emerging two picoseconds later from the ragged ruin that had once been the back of his skull. It chinked, uselessly, mockingly, yet somewhat lyrically, I felt, on the floor of the fishy ex-doctor's consulting room. I held him in my arms as Mister, what's a picosecond? I held him in my arms as his body jerked uncontrollably in its final spasms, blood welling and pumping from his lower cranium. Then all was silent, apart from the drip, drip of the blood. The hospital cleaner buffing the hallway tiles. A touring tenor guest vocaling with the local Swedish male voice choir. The roar of the crowd in the local fish hurling stadium nearby. And the pneumatic drill in the room above for all of heaven and earth's angels and ministers of grace. Defend me! I booked into a hotel in a fit of paranoia. Attempted to camouflage myself by lying down on a white bedsheet. But in the end, I couldn't sleep and spent three hours scrubbing my corduroy trousers. Theodosius Pennington yet stands naked and confused upon the tower of St. Prunella's church. Several of the adoring pigeons who decided to hang around are preening themselves upon his shoulder as he gazes. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is upward once again at the immense cloud hovering mere feet above the pigeon sitting on his head. Yea, and thrice yea to the nested awareness of our cosmic consciousness. What is your name, human? Uh, Theodos. Theodos or something? Yeah, Theodos. Uh, Theodos? Uh, yeah, no, Theodos. Exactly! Not Theo, nor Theodos or Theodore, but Theodosius. 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 So, Theodosius. Yes. Theodosius what? Pennington. Theodosius Paddington. And, uh, is that with a, a double M? Theo? Hey? Hm? Um, well, yes, this is the accepted spelling of me name, yes. But I'm quite confused. Anyway, require your presence aboard a ship, you man. By some strange power beyond our ken, Theodosius Pennington is pulled quickly upward along the beam of light into the cloud, which immediately begins to revolve and glide away from the tower. It gains in speed and disappears unreasonably fast over the horizon, leaving the pigeons in a stunned silence beneath a now cloudless, starry sky. I hurriedly must now complete the end of this chapter, as I feel the poison, no doubt inflicted upon me by those same men in black, beginning to make my heart beat sluggishly, and my eyes begin to lose focus, and the sweat begin to pour down my face, my temperature slowly decrease. My fingers itch slightly, including an interesting little tingling sensation in the palm of my hand. My anal sphincter is expanding and contracting. I don't think there's any chance of me actually soiling myself, but you know when it just starts to go a little, well, it's a bit like that. So I must hurry now and forego the pleasure of relating my recent glamorous adventures. Let it suffice to say that my experience of the last two weeks filled in a great deal more of the story, which amounts to this. They are here among us now, the Blitz from Glibitz, but they came here before, many thousands of years in our past, the 127th great ubiquitous progenitor, hiding in a tree somewhere in Mesopotamia, seized his moment and implanted a genetic alteration in a certain Alice and Steve, a young, naive couple working as landscape gardeners in the garden of one Mr. E. Dan. Since then, the genetic clock has been ticking, and the code has been mutating subtly through the long centuries, and has reached its final conclusion within one solitary human being. And the Blicks, they have come for him to perform something they call the Grand Inducement. Yet, without their missing leader, the 374th Progenitor, and the genealogy scroll now in my possession, I fear that instead of the glorious new dawn they envisage, it will be a genesis of an era of hell. For the sake of mankind and baby Yezu, I pray that someone reads this publication and takes up the cause, or I can do no more. Hurry! The scroll fits in my trousers next to my lucky rabbit's foot and my fruity polos. Oh, God! Oh, God, what's that? 
Did the nice-talking man die, mister? Yes, Philip, and the nice-talking man died quite horribly and dramatically. There, there. Good night, good night. Hmm. Intriguing, though. Absolutely intriguing. <coughs> Yay and thrice yay for the grand inducement has been completed. Yay and thrice yay. Step out of the inducement chamber, Theodosius Pentwell. I'm pretty certain it's been completed. I mean, I'm not sure what this last bank of switches is for, and those crystal pressure pans. What are they all about, eh? Search me. I suppose that's why only the great ubiquitous progenitors are allowed anywhere near the machines. Still, we had no choice, did we? No. Step out of the inducer chamber, Theodosius Pennington, and go forth and meet your destiny. Look, lads, I'm still a trifle confused. What was the chosen location for Inception? Well, a few of us seem to remember the progenitor saying it was to be the Gobi Desert. Perhaps. Are you sure? I think I'm sure. Very, very well. The Gobi Desert. Encage Transmatter Beam. Could you just answer me one simple question, please? What? Since I woke up this morning, I've been a trifle. The huge and inhospitable Gobi Desert, full of stones and empty of movement. Theodosius Pennington stands naked on the rock upon which he was so rudely deposited. He watches the blue scintillating beam of light contracting upwards back into the black of the sky until it winks out of existence and he is truly alone. But then he has always been alone. Ooh, it's a bit cold, is this? His face is as ever unreadable as he looks out at the dark and stony monotony and he remains, in his own words, a trifle confused. He blinks. Some moments pass and nothing happens. He blinks again. But now, listener, the sun is rising in strands afar remote from the Gobi Desert. And while Philip experiences the most terrible nightmares, his father, Simon Mary, swirls the ice in his glass of scotch and experiences the pangs of love, a suburban claustrophobia and the allure of adventure. And in the house on the hill in Budley Salterton, a man called Jürgen Ferbelson crouches in the early spring morning with his right foot firmly cemented into the patio he had been building. His hair is singed and his tie has been cut off at the knot. But luckily he has been rendered immobile just outside the patio doors and he is already eyeing the phone on its rather natty little Regency-style table just within reach when it sings out to him of its own accord. go there's the uh there, there you go so you've now heard um almost all of theodosius pennington uh, if i told you now that we actually cut about 20 minutes from it because scenes were even more complicated funny or offensive uh that uh, you'd be surprised maybe in 10 years we'll release the full version but can i just say what a beautiful ending that is russell uh it's uh gets to me a little bit as well it's just the idea of a starry night sky, you know, something strange and mysterious leaving 
the planet Earth, the hypercraft that is, winging its way up, and the transmission beam of light that he beams down on. And poor uh, Theodore. And a lonely man, alone. you know, a yeah. nice, a nice bloke, a lovely, lovely bloke. Yeah. Uh, you, you can tell it just from the simple lines he has. That's and, right. Right. Uh, he's there alone in the middle of what? Well, the Gobi Desert. Uh, Standing on a rock, yeah. naked. It's, yeah. it's an image which is which has a beauty and a sadness to it, isn't it? I agree. It's lovely. Um, so I enjoy listening to our work a lot. Hopefully you do as well. And that's why we I wanted do. to put it out there. And, and Russell does, but I meant... I do, know. I do indeed. It's, uh, it's, it's full of things, I think. And uh, each time you hear it, hopefully... Something else will, uh, will sort of light up for you. And if you decide to write a radio comedy one day, why don't you take that amount of stuff and stretch it out over an entire series instead of putting it into one episode? <laughs> That's what I suggest. <laughs> because we may yeah. never know what happens next, you know? It yeah. might never happen. Um, yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's it. Thank you, Russell. Uh, I'm glad that we're putting this out there into the ether as it were, yeah. so that it can actually... Actually, actually I, I've, I've got three different endings in, in my head. Have you? Finished, yeah. yeah. Yeah, do it. Yeah. What? What happens? I, I, uh, and I'm, I'm torn between all three. I can't say. I'm not going, going to say. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing. If we carried this on, Brian Hovis isn't dead. That's right. Uh, that, yes. That, let's reveal that. He's, he's yeah. not dead. There's no way. In fact, I've There's no way you could possibly die after such a long death either, is there? No. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the comedy in that? Uh. <laughs> hey, brilliant. All right, let's get to work on the TV version and make it simpler, shall we? Oh, yeah, baby. All right. Um, if anyone would like to uh, get in touch with us, um, email me on my other podcast address studio at the box set pod.com you can get in touch with me and russell there studio at the box set pod.com yeah Any let's get some crazy dialogue going isn't it yeah that yeah. would be good that's a laugh too i'd love to hear you know just a just a response from people uh, say the percentage amount that you actually followed it that would be great <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah Okay, and maybe what I'll do is I'll put the full thing together without us introducing it on as a third podcast so that if you do want to listen to it again, you don't have to listen to all of our ramble before and after it. How about that? Okay, I'll do that. That'll be the next episode. Thank you. Thank Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Russ. Hey.